The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. TheChairShot.com TheChairShot.com Always Always Use your head You are now listening to ChairShot Radio Always Use Your Head Oh yeah, here it is. It is Tuesday and your good friend Patrick O'Dowd is here to do some chair shot radio. But we ain't doing hockey talk this week because Dave Ungar had a date with a mouse. He is hanging out at Disneyland again. Like every time he misses a show, it's because he's in Disneyland, folks. That's just the way it is and more power to him. But that means I've just it's become a thing when Dave is away. Patrick O'Dowd is going to bring a guest from the Chairshot Radio Network to do another edition of the 5x5, five five, the, the, the appropriately titled 5x5, five five, the winning title 5x5. Five five. If you haven't figured it out by now, my good friend PC Tutty is going to be the guest this week on the 5x5, five five, the appropriately named 5x5. Five five. Hello, sir. How are you? It's a pleasure to be on the glass, Patrick O'Dowd. Oh, look at you! You're gonna, you're gonna I stick with you know, it to the end. I wasn't even gonna, I wasn't even gonna bring it up. You brought it up, so I had to go. I had, but, I yeah, had was, to, I a... had to bring it up. I was, I, 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 I actually thanked the Balazes in the chair shot radio chat because they were sitting there, and it was funny because it was like they were trying to be like, well, it's more creative, but it's really hard to argue what the five by five is telling you and then of course the greg demarco seal of approval greg always greg, always greg's opinion never matters that's, never matters greg's opinion never true. matters yeah, it's, he, do, he only runs the fucking site anyway everybody actually, hates that's not greg. true everybody does hate greg and if you like that saying head over to pro wrestling tees.com forward slash the chair shot and get it as a shirt because it's one of the ones that's available there 1999 or spend a few dollars more if you want something nice on your giblets and get it soft style anyway you are listening to Chair Shot Radio. This week's uh, edition on Tuesday will be the 5x5 five five here on the Chair Shot Radio Network, part of thechairshot.com. We encourage you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And this week on the 5x5, five five, I, when I got Platt, or Platt, when I got Tunny, to, it was his voice. It wasn't, I, I didn't think you were Platt. Uh, but when I knew that when I knew that you were coming yeah, on the show, Tony, no big deal. <laughs> when, when I knew that you were coming onto the show, I knew I wanted to lean in on something that was big to you, something that you follow, that you watch, that's important. So television was immediately where I started, and out of all of us, I think you're the most in tune with Saturday Night Live. And so this week for the five by five, we are going to give our five best and five worst. Holy crap, my computer has chosen a great time 
to go bizarro so please pay no attention to the buzzing in the background um, but our five best and five worst Saturday Night Live skits of all time and before wow um, give me give me a second here alright anyway what I know Saturday Night Live is something that's been big for you because you watch it regularly uh, when we come back from the commercial, we're gonna we're gonna start there before we go into our five worst, uh, because I think that SNL is such a cultural touchstone in entertainment, like it really is, that uh, it, it warrants a conversation before we go into the worst of the worst, and then after the second commercial break, uh, second commercial break, we'll do the best of the best. Yeah, I know, right? Like pull the collar. Uh, so yeah, what do you think? Sound good to you? All Rock right. And roll. Big, Big thumbs up there from Mr. Tunney. So when we come back, our five worst SNL sketches of all time. You are listening to Chairshot Radio here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tunney here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right, welcome back. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I've gotten my technical issues resolved, i.e. the computer stopped making noise, and we are here to talk about SNL sketches. But before we get into like our best and worst, I wanted to just get a sense from you, Tani, because I know this. Sure. I know you still watch, you still watch SNL to this day, right? Like you still follow it, um, catch up with like yeah, sketches and stuff like that. It, it's something that's on my. DVR. It's it's probably one of the top five, even though it doesn't need to be. Nothing else is on that I watch. You know what I'm saying? As you right, right. prioritize your recording list. But yeah, I mean, I would say I started watching it in the early 90s, probably. With that right. amazing cast right. and crew where I was able to stay up late on the weekends and stuff and started actually understanding the the jokes. You know what I'm saying? As, you, right. as you're starting, you're almost the teenage years. So and then ever since then, I've pretty much tried to watch it. Um, maybe my early 20s, I missed some because, you know, it's party time and you're going out and stuff. And maybe I didn't have a sure. DVR. But, boy, I've gone back and watched pretty much every single episode ever. I just I love the show. And for people who say it's not good anymore or whatever, well, it's the same as it's always been. Granted, there's been some down years with casts throughout the 40 plus years, however many it's been now. But not of all of them are a home run, you know. Not all of them were a home run when Will Ferrell was on the show and everybody thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? Oh, absolutely. So you just got to go in there. It's kind of like a wrestling fan. It's not all going to be for you, but a lot of it's going to be really damn funny. And a lot of it depends on the guest host, and that's what makes this great as well. Oh, absolutely. And for me, uh, I started watching Saturday Night Live regularly at about the same time you did. We're about the same age. We're pretty close in age, so that's, that's not a big surprise. But I actually got introduced to the show 
through my dad renting VHS um, best of particular cast member compilations. And so, and the first one that he ever got was Gilda Radner. Um, was the first, like, it was the best of Gilda Radner on Saturday Night Live. And, like, it was, like, Radner, Belushi, Chevy Chase, like, the whole, like, all those original cast groups, Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd, all of them. Uh, and watching Jane Curtin, who, by the way, one of the most underrated cast members in the history of the damn show. But, um, but I fell in love with her and her sketches. And, and the thing that I always find neat about Saturday Night Live is my son is 10 years old. There are some sketches I could show him, and he totally gets it. And like you said, there's other sketches where you don't. And one of my uh, one of my honorable mentions, because I, I did do, I had one honorable mention in each list, because I just, this was too hard. You were looking at, you know, 50, 50 damn near 50 years of entertainment to go through. Um, and so to narrow it to five was really tough. Uh, and I don't know yeah, if that there, was true was for you, too. There was a lot of decision making this weekend for the both of us having right. <laughs> doing uh, recording two list shows today. But honestly, it was interesting though. I, I it wasn't that hard. I, I just kind of was like, like, you know what? This is a great all time sketch, but this is my top five, you know. And maybe there's something I forgot, but I think I I got most of it, and I kind of did it in a way, especially on the top side where. I'm kind of going to encompass a whole bunch of stuff into one kind of thing as well. Well, so. and that, that was you know, that was another challenge is, you know, some sketches, because there are recurring characters and recurring, like recurring sketches, like Wayne's World, for for instance, like it opened Saturday Night Live God knows how many times or was just a part. Like the Melrose Place Wayne's World sketch is one of my favorites and it didn't make my list. And it didn't make my honorable mentions, but... Uh, there's, there is, there's just so much and we could probably talk on this forever. This is a multiple show five by five thing too. This is, Listen, this is a, this is a bandwagon am... nerds project. We could do the SNL project for bandwagon nerds and probably that's five weeks of show all by itself. Sure. Yeah. However you want to do it. I kind of messaged you beforehand we were getting going and I was like, I was just kind of finalizing some stuff and I was like, bro, we got a lot of content here and green evergreen content for most right. of it too, at least for a long lasting time of 50 years, almost you say. So, yeah, I mean, I think Patrick's gung ho. I'm definitely gung ho for it. So look forward to whether, wherever it be, you know, best cast members, best cast, best guest hosts, musical guests on and on. So we're going to, we're going to try and really Absolutely. get into this. Cool. Well, let's get into our five by five and start with our five worst and the rules are just like bandwagon nerds. I don't actually need to go over them with you. Yep, just if it's higher on your list, you uh, you go first. And I um, I will start. I will do the worst list, and you can kick off the best list because that way you get to do your number one if my math is correct last. So um, for me, I did have one honorable mention. Uh, if it's on your list, I'll, I won't say anything more about it. But my honorable mention was the rear, the rear window sketch with January Jones um, farting as Grace Kelly. Uh, it just was stupid and, and <laughs> fell flat, and Tony apparently liked it. The other one, this is controversial because I know you like this sketch. I hate Dick in the Box. Um, oh, well, yeah, we, we're, we'll talk about that on the best of. <laughs> on the best of. So that'll be fun. My number five worst is very personal, um, and it's a recurring sketch from the 90s, which is when I really watched thing, and that's the It's Pat sketches. 
Uh, what's that? It's Pat. It's time for androgyny. One. Where, where, what do you got on here? Is that on your worst or is that on your best? It's my number five worst. It's nice. Pat. We have the same number five. So shared name notwithstanding, making <laughs> my fucking life for you. horrible. The sketch itself is, like, the character is terrible. The joke is a one-note joke. And it's, de- you know, it wasn't fu- it wasn't funny back when it aired. It has not aged well at all now in this, you know, as we start to learn more no. about transgendered people and just, like, like it's, it's very, it's horribly insensitive. And Saturday Night Live has really struggled with androgyny and LGBT sort of comedy all the time because it walks a line. Like there's some, like the ambiguously gay duo, some people think is brilliant so and does, hilarious, others hate. But but so does every other um comedic or comic avenue sure. of 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 you know consumption, whether it's stand up or sitcom or movie, it's comedy. It's comedy is tragedy, right? So right. you either get the joke you don't get the joke or you are the joke. And the last one is generally when people get the most upset because granted, we all take ourselves a little bit too seriously. Sometimes That's not true. saying some things are not a lot though, but, and the Pat character, it, it was a recurring character. Uh, Pat was whiny. Pat was annoying. Had this weird sniveling voice. Yeah. God. And every time I saw that sketch air on an episode, I was like, well, fuck my week screwed. Because everywhere so, I'd go, hey Pat. Yeah, Julia Sweeney played Pat. Uh, I, I like think Julia the funniest Sweeney. thing to me about it was when they would go and try and find out if Pat was a boy or a girl by asking Pat what Pat was going to be doing and who Pat was going to be doing these things with, and in, inevitably it was always going to be doing something with a Chris or a Terry, uh, you know, right. or, or a Kelly or whatever, a, a name that could be for a man or a woman. So you could never really figure it out. To me, that was really the only clever part of it to, to add to what you said. The rest of it was kind of annoying and tedious. Uh, absolutely. So that, that was my number five and your number five. So wavelength early. What about your number four worst? So number four isn't necessarily some one of them I hate, but I wanted to get it in here somewhere because I don't know. Rob Schneider is like (laughs) not the greatest SNL guy ever. He went on to do some really funny stuff. Um, I thought the Deuce Bigelow thing was hilarious, but the making copies guys was really just kind of not a great sketch to me. Um, Doing podcasting. Tony, 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 Tony. <laughs> the Peace Meister. PC Tunny Tun Horrible sketch. It's so like horrible sketch. It was it was basically the uh what's up guys before the what's up guys. Right. Yeah, I um I, it's funny like for five seconds. Right? Like the yes. first delivery, you're like, haha, that's <laughs> okay. And you kinda laugh, you're like, ha, I know a guy like that. And then it just keeps going and going. And again, recurring sketch they brought that character back repeatedly oh yeah oh yeah well because people were saying it he made fun of sting the the not the 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 art the, the musician not the not the wrestler but they made fun of sting like sure ugh, yeah. yeah it was rough yeah awful um let's see so that would bring it to my number four uh elon musk hosted saturday night live once <laughs> He did. I remember. And, and he, Are you gonna? Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it an opening monologue? No, it's Gen Z Hospital, 
which I, I and maybe you disagree with it, and maybe it's because I'm an old curmudgeon, but it, it was like this desperate attempt to like connect with young people by like using their lingo as a joke. Uh, and so he's like I, trying, he, Elon Musk plays this doctor in Gen Z hospital trying to explain to these Gen Z stereotypes that their friend is dead. And like, like they take a selfie with his ashes and it's. Yeah. I remember now. Uh, 80 Bryant's in that uh, yeah, clip. Episode, was, 80 Bryant's in that sketch, right? Yeah, yes. I remember it now. It wasn't too long ago that he hosted. It wasn't, but it was a terrible, it was a terrible sketch. And that's something special that it's that recent and it overtook some other ones on my <laughs> list. So that's, that's yeah, all. I know he took some flack about his opening monologue. Um, like the artistic community didn't appreciate the joke that he made. I can't remember exactly what it was, but you know, he was just trying to be self-deprecating and that, like we talked about, that's walking the line, right? Yeah. It's really, it's really challenging there. I, I remember most of the reviews were, wasn't the best Saturday night live ever recorded, but it was not the worst at all. No. And you know what? You go into that going me as an SNL, you know, uh, super fan or, or, you know, uh, you know, groupie or whatever you know constantly paying attention to who's on and, and watching everything i go into it going all right cool this is some this isn't an academy award oscar winner this isn't the new fresh up-and-coming actor this isn't the all-time great musical guest doing both this isn't the five someone going to the five timers club it's somebody you wouldn't think of let's see how they do let's see where they can get funny in here and there right yeah, exactly. maybe i have a little bit more alcohol that night coming into it you never know right. you never know it was the like most watched episode since 2016. So for that, it got eyeballs on the screen. My there number... are, you know, it's crazy. There's oh, names. Ahead. I'm sorry. There's names that come up and stuff like that. And it spreads, mm -hmm. you know, cause you got someone like me who will go in our group chat to guys who like no Saturday night live, like it, but don't necessarily pay attention, but they go Elon Musk or, or Ooh, Eddie Murphy's coming back to host like stuff like right. that people are going to watch that show and that's why it's lasted as long as it has absolutely all right so my number three I, I again i keep going back to when i watched but my number three is canteen boy with uh <laughs> sure so alec baldwin adam sandler yeah that's a little of, rapey one of, one of the one of the most uncomfortable well, it's a, sketches it's a lot rapey yeah it's a lot rapey <laughs> um especially when you consider you know it's a boy scout troop there's Adam Sandler playing his kind of lovable doofus character with the goofy voice he always does, and he's the canteen boy. Basically, think of the water boy, except sure. in a scout uniform. And Alec Baldwin is playing the scoutmaster who's, like, seducing canteen boy and trying to, like, snuggle up to him, and he nuzzles his ear, and he opens up his shirt with his hairy chest, and he's drinking wine. And it was awkward back in ninety or whenever it aired uh and you want to talk about something that does not bear repeat watching because you it's just it gives me the heebie-jeebies to watch and therefore yeah. it made my number three yeah great call there very uncomfortable not so, something that uh not something that would be even come close to being touched nowadays yeah no bueno all right my number three my number three is a little-known sketch from the early 80s, I think maybe even 1980, called The Winers, Doug and Wendy Weiner. And it was Joe Piscopo, Piscopo. and Robin Duke. And 
You know, I think the first time they did it, it was kind of like interesting and funny, but it's another one of those things where if you're annoying, you're supposed to be annoying, but if you're annoying the audience at the same time, you're not really doing your job there. So they, they brought it back maybe one, two, too many times, uh, <laughs> just an epic fail of a, of a, of a sketch, but, uh, you know, right. it made this list. So it, it has some kind of infamy to it. The only, the only time I ever wanted to see Joe, Joe Piscopo in his Saturday Night Live or, it was when he was doing Sinatra stuff. Because uh, he could do it. He, between he, he was and good. Phil Hartman. Oh, yeah, very good. Two, two great Sinatras. Uh, and uh, that was one of those times. That was da- back in the days where Eddie Murphy was the cast. And Joe Piscopo was like number oh, sure. two. Yeah, so, they were, it was, I mean, it was a super popular time in the show's history. But there's, hey, there's another, um, another list for SNL uh, best... Uh, characters played real life characters portrayed absolutely cool all right i think it's to your number two my number two yes my number two is also from the early 90s and dana carvey stars as the tampon prince oh i left this one off (laughs) so what the deal is is, i want to be inside camilla forever yeah so this basis of this sketch comes from the divorce of charles and uh diane diane princess diana and uh camilla parker bowles right mm-hmm. charles was caught recorded saying that he loved her so much he always wanted to be with her so he wished he could be a tampon so he could always be with her and that is just putting it a that's that's you know ah that's that's yes. that's britain for you what are you gonna say <laughs> yeah i don't it's funny because he took something that is like nobody wants to know right like nobody wanted to know that information and then you tried to turn it into a sketch and you like dana carvey literally is in like a big tampon get up and he's getting shrunk to be put inside of camilla it's so (laughs) gross and weird so honestly the way you could have made this sketch better would have been to dana carvey into a tampon no, ref first here. First, re, like, play the audio. Like, have someone do a impersonation of Prince Charles and just play the audio and like right. set it up, right? And then we cut to someone playing Camilla Parker Bowles just walking around, and this voice is coming from her crotch talking to her the whole time. So you don't <laughs> actually get see. Isn't that I way better? You don't I actually mean... get the image of the tampon. You just get the image of Charles is with her and he's a tampon. You don't have to see it, but you hear it. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I mean, I chuckled, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> so from one uncomfortable sketch because it wasn't really funny to a sketch that's just straight up uncomfortable because it was terrible. Jennifer's date, Steven Seagal. Oh, oh, it's higher on your list, which means that it's now time for my number one. Yeah, we'll that was number my one. number one. We can go through it. Let's go. We can go through it. You can go. You can do your number one last. Okay. Because um, we already because we we have the suspense of not knowing what yours is. We fair, know what fair. mine is. So let's discuss so, it. Go ahead. So here's the here's the thing is, you talked about like a, a top ten list of worst hosts of all time, and Steven Seagal is the unquestioned number one. So, if we do that, should we retire him like the Badgers and yeah, LSU were retired yeah, from gotta, the, uh, no. the college drinking schools? Right. Yeah, like he's not on the list. We can add somebody else, and we just know that. Yeah, everybody <laughs> understands that the king. Like, there's, there's like a super one A, and it is, it is Steven Seagal. 
he was not interested but, in doing this show at all. Like, and it's it's just evident throughout the whole thing as he's hosting. It's awkward. It's pain. He plays it so rigid and straight and disinterested. And then it culminates in this sketch where he's supposed to be playing this intimidating, overprotective father whose daughter is about to go on this date with Chris Farley, who's who's like looks like a rough character. And on paper, like given the type of character Steven Seagal had played at the time, like he's an action star, he's a tough guy, you think, oh, this could be great. He's going to intimidate Chris Farley. It was... It's still, to this day, it's one of the most painful experiences in just like, God, get this thing off. Because nobody's laughing. The second Seagal shows up on the screen, not funny. Nothing funny. Horrible. When, yeah, his his uh, physical uh, presence for the opening monologue is uncomfortable. And when you get into a sketch with Chris Farley at the peak of his prime at Saturday Night Live, hair disheveled, leather jacket on collar up white t-shirt underneath ripped jeans ready to play this character like only he can and he can't even get a laugh out of it i mean you basically took the one of the most instant biggest laugh getters in the history of saturday night live chris farley and paired him with the worst fucking host ever and the offense couldn't overcome the defense that day let me tell you this is virginia basketball that's what that was (laughs) Indeed. Oh, Let's man. get to your so, number one so we can have some time before we sure, record sure. BWN to sure, get to sure. the favorites. So, so my number one, uh, this happened in the 80s. It was during the period when Lauren Michaels actually had stepped away from the show for a little bit. And Saturday Night Live was really struggling to find itself and, and find things that were funny. And they released the unfortunately titled and horribly executed Commie Hunting Season sketch. <laughs> and... You're laughing because you know exactly what I... And it's literally... Like, the sketch is nothing but a bunch of white rednecks in hunting gear getting ready to go out and shoot them some communists. And, and I don't even really know how much to say that. Like, it's it's loaded with pejoratives. It's it's just terrible. It's nobody... Again, nobody looks particularly interested in doing the sketch. And the humor is just uh, offensive and wrong. Like, shooting down human beings for funsies. I think one of the most interesting things to do would be go back and like, this is clearly some, some powerful writer at the time. And I don't know who wrote this sketch, but had stroke and said, I really want to do this. You guys, you know, cause you've got to think with the smart enough people that are in those casts that they knew it and you could see it on their faces. Right. I mean, yeah. Right. Just talk about crossing the line again and something that was really fresh at the time as well. You know? Right. I mean, yeah, we're, we're in the early eighties, height of the cold war all that stuff is going on. So the wall is still up. I mean, yeah, it was, it was trying to be socially relevant in a horrible, horrible way. It failed, failed so miserably. All right. So that's going to do it. That is our, our number, our top five worst SNL sketches of all time. We're going to take our second commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to cover our best before we go to our recorded commercial. I mentioned this once before, but if you love what we do on the chair shot radio network and on the chair head over to pro wrestling forward slash the chair shot and get yourself a chair shot shirt. We have all kinds of designs to choose from things like our logos. I hear talk of shorts with the chair shot logo shorts being a possibility that I don't think that's a thing, but it could be a thing. Anyway, we have all kinds of great Thanks stuff out for there. Listening, Patrick. I do. I listen all the time. Hey, 
umbros were a thing in the 90s if you were calling just had that little diamond on the short let's get us some umbro style chair shot shorts with the chair shot logo where the umbro should be damn it anyway ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Shirts are $19.99, or if you're feeling fancy, want something that feels nice on your giblets, get them soft style. You'll thank us later. Once again, support us at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. When we come back on the 5x5, PC Tony and I will give our top five Saturday Night Live sketches of all time. You're listening to Chair Shot Radio on the Chair Shot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, welcome back. On the 5x5, we like to finish on a positive note, and so we will always do our best to end the show. Uh, as, as I just feel, it's like basketball practice. Finish on a made basket. We're going to finish with our top five. And Tony, you're going to kick us off this time. Uh, I forgot to ask this in the worst. Were there any specific honorable mentions you wanted to throw out there uh, from the worst before we get into the best? I think you had a couple of them. Uh, yeah, I had the rear I window think, sketch. Uh, my big one. I, I really think one of my favorite things we could do with this would be best and worst casts by year. Because oh, there's some yeah. years that just didn't provide maybe the worst um, sketches, but maybe the least above average sketches. There you, were you a couple like, of you mean, years there. You mean there. like the Anthony and, Michael Hall, Robert Downey Jr. years? I mean, that's a part of it. And I think if I go into explaining it, uh, there may be some years you didn't expect that are on yeah. there. Cool. Well, hey, kick us off with our, our five best. What's your number five best sketch on the list? So uh, in making my top five here, I had it down and then I was like, oh my God, this one has to be in there. So I have a 5A and 5B. I won't spend long on my 5B, but we talked about Alec Baldwin being in a horrible sketch. The sweaty balls sketch with yeah. Molly Shannon and Anna Gasteyer yeah, is one of the, it's, it's, it's South Park suck on my chocolate salty balls before that was that. It was great. It's a radio show with two women who are very subdued. And they talk real quiet, and they're very positive. And thank you for coming on the show today, Alec. It's a pleasure to have you. Ooh, yeah, I'd great. love to try your sweaty balls, Alec. It's, it's yes, I'd love for you to have put my. I'd love for you to put my sweaty balls in your mouth. Uh, <laughs> and they, it's they, just a hilarious they're, they're, skin. Your, your sweaty balls are delicious. They melt in my mouth. It's so delightful. Yes, yes, you're oh, better yeah. at it than I am. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah, it's that's that's where a recurring joke works, right? Like they keep that joke going, but they do it in ways that just keeps it funny. And that was. That's an excellent, excellent 5B. One of the greatest female ensembles in a cast of all time when Molly Shannon on a gas tire were there. I think Rachel Dratch was in at that time as well. Sherry O'Terry. I mean, it was the women took over like they had never had since, you know, you mentioned Jane Curtin being one of the greatest of all times, but it was still attitude era wrestling the women didn't get as much time they were great right. when they could but they were never the leads and this was a time where boy the women really shined out there um weekend update and a specific one you got weekend update in there as your top one no but one of my honorable mentions was a weekend update recurring <laughs> character from the 70s okay 
Okay, go ahead. So it was. I talked about Gilda Radner. Gilda Radner. I know who it do, is. No, you don't. It's Emily Latella, not Roseanne Rosanna Dana. Oh. Emily Latella was an editorial person that they would bring in to counter. They would always say, this person's coming in to do a counter editorial to something we previously recorded. And Emily Latella was like this book bookish librarian woman with a high-pitched voice who always misread what the previous editorial topic is. And so she would make an argument for something completely different. And this is the sketch I showed my son where she is arguing that there should be more violins on television and that there aren't enough violins on television and if they only show violins after 10 p.m., that the little kids won't get violins in their life. And Chevy Chase has to stop her and be like, no, no, that was violence in television, violence. And she, and then she would be like, oh, well, well, that's different. And she would just look straight at the camera and say, never mind. And that would be the end. It was, it's brilliant in its simplicity. And it was so damn wholesome. Like, that's the thing. It was just so wholesome and sweet. And sure. that would later show up in Jeopardy. If, if, in, the gullibility in factor. Exactly. It was beautiful. Weekend update. So, no, no, you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned Chevy Chase. Two things come to mind. The Richard Pryor dead honky skit is unbelievably crazy. Sorry, you got it up there? Okay. And then Garrett Morris um, being the... Uh, the doing the news and being there for the the, the heart of hearing and Jimmy, in the news today in the news today so shout out to him but my number one favorite weekend update character is bill Hader as stefan and uh. that shit is just unbelievably nuts the wording he has for the parties and what these things are and like it, you know, I, I should have looked up some of you're doing a great job of, of, of character acting there with the physical uh, comedy. But when, when we folks, go video, you've never seen it. I don't know. This. What's that? Someday we'll go video and we can you can see people will see me. Oh, it's it's coming soon. It's coming soon. So um, in, 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 uh, in light of, of our time, I'm going to I'm going to stop there and say, go watch it. It's one of the best character actorizations uh, comedically on Saturday Night Live ever. Cool. All right. Well, my number five. It's rare that a sketch is as influential for something as silly as saying the word chopping broccoli. But Derek Stevens is Dana Carvey, the musician who can't come up with a song and is in front of the radio, um, is in front of the record executives, and he starts making up the song about a woman going to the store, buying broccoli and chopping it. And you would hear Kitty Maine use that on SportsCenter for years when he described home runs. Dana Carvey was a genius uh, on that show. was one of the best cast members of all time, in my opinion. Derek Stevens, Chopping Broccoli, was my number five. You mentioned this. I'm going to just jump right in my number four, unless you have something, just to speed it up a little bit. Chopping Broccoli, Chopping Broccoli. That's all I have. He, he gets all emotional, and he's like screaming into the microphone. It's great. You mentioned this when you were talking about some of your buildups. Richard Pryor, Chevy Chase, Word Association. Richard Pryor is going in for a... Uh, a, a job interview yes, yes, yes. and Chevy Chase is the interviewer and they start a word association and the words start off innocent enough and they slowly and slowly just get more and more racist and you can't air this sketch anymore it's it's way ahead of its time uh, but Chevy Chase drops the ultimate racial slur in that sketch um, as part of the climax and it's done it's done to challenge and it's hilarious and Richard Pryor is fucking amazing in that sketch. One of the most controversial and best sketches of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, I 
couldn't agree with you more. It's it's uncomfortably hilarious, um, yes. and it it's two legendary icons in the comedic business. Who knew that um, they both were kind of really playing uh, uh, themselves in that? Because right, uh, totally. from everything you hear, uh, Richard Chevy. Pryor was n- not a fan, and Chevy was quite the asshole. So that is true. All right, that's my number four to you. Number four for me, it's my dick in a box. Go ahead. But it's also, but it's also Justin Timberlake with Jimmy Fallon uh, and uh, the Bee Gees show. Right. So it's basically Justin Timberlake as well, and it's bring it on down to Lickerville, yeah. So the things that he does is amazing. Andy Samberg, I love him. I think the Bee Gees thing where he's the brother of the lead singer from the Bee Gees who, who's played by Jimmy Fallon, that talk show is is amazing. Talking it up on the Barry Gibb talk show. <laughs> it's just, it, yeah, exactly. See, I mean, that stuff is no, amazing. I... The chemistry that him and Jimmy Fallon have is just oh, ridiculous. Yeah. If you they, ever want to go like down the other. rabbit hole of YouTube, go watch all the guest appearance skits that, JT and Jimmy Fallon do together on the Jimmy Fallon show. One of the, one of the all-time greatest gifts of uh, in history is a, is a Justin Timberlake Saturday Night Live face of him just looking into the camera. Uh, I Dick in a Box is just not my type of humor anymore. Like I just I I, I get why people find it funny. I just have never like I just don't buy into it. Um, this is also a shout out to like musical things that they do. Right. Uh, I do it in my twin bed is one of the funniest fucking musical things ever. Watch these girls talk about how they go home for the holidays with their boyfriends and they do it in their old twin bed. And it's a music video. The last one I'll say is there's also a music video with Keenan Thompson and the rock and Tom Hanks. And it's a rap video and they just keep adding rappers to the co- collaboration. And by the end, there's 26 people on the track. So that's that's kind of my number four as far as trying to get everything in together. Excellent choice for your number four. And now it's your number three, sir. Number three for me is close to mine and Dave Ungar's heart, and it's the Californians. <laughs> Go ahead. So basically, it's a spoof on a soap opera, and it's in this house of a fairly well-off family, which with which has very odd and interesting dynamic and relationships with everybody that's involved in this house and there's always drama and suspense but there's always comedy because regardless of where the conversation goes it always ends with how to navigate california and their highways because their traffic is fucking horrible and it's just a consistent consistent rip on the horrible uh you know, car traveling situation in a large part of, you know, many of the populated areas in California. But hilarious. Fred Armisen is basically the star of this whole thing. Uh, Bill Hader as well. I can't remember who the female lead was for this. I think it might have been. Um, oh, why am I forgetting her name right now? I, I don't I, I don't remember. I'll look it up, but that's my number three. Cool. All right. So my my number three and my number one, I might get a little emotional over. So if I do, uh, bear with me. Uh, Phil Hartman is one of my favorite comedians of all time and lost him so, so early. And my uh, one of my favorite sketches of him is the Sinatra group. It is a riff on the political television show, The McLaughlin Group, which was on PBS. And 
this guy McLaughlin would sit around and he would basically like shout at people different political topics. And what they did is they took that um, little circle of chairs and they replaced it with Phil Hartman doing his Frank Sinatra sitting next to uh, Edie Gourmet and um, I can't ever remember what the guy's name is. It's played by Mike Myers, but um, in real life. Um, anyway, um, Sinead O'Connor, played by Jan Hooks, another underrated cast member from Saturday Night Live. Sting is portraying Billy Idol. And I want to say Chris Rock was like Spike Lee or somebody, or he may have been a rap rapper, Luther. Um, I can't I can't remember who Chris Chris Rock was in it as well, and it is famous for Sting giving Frank Sinatra lip, and Frank being like, "Don't talk to me like that. I've got chunks of corn bigger than you in my stool." And, I remember this one now. <laughs> and, and he starts like anytime he starts say something like. Um, Edie Gourmet and um, I can't remember the other guy's name would be like, you say it, Frank, you tell him. And Sinead O'Connor is just complaining about the suffering in the world and he keeps messing up her name. He's like, Sinbad O'Connor, Baldy, talk to me. So this was fairly close to right after she shaved her head. Right. I mean, I think it was before before the musical performance that made her famous. Right. Yes. In a bad way. So, yeah, great great call, though. Great call on that sketch. All right. My number two, we can't talk about Saturday Night Live. Did I skip you for number three? Mm-mm. No. My number no, I two, right. I also don't feel like we can talk about um, Saturday Night Live and host without talking about Tom Hanks. This is my kid's all-time favorite sketch. It's the Haunted Elevator. It's David S. Pumpkin's. And here's why I think no, this is good, such a yeah, and here's why this is such a great sketch. No sketch executes a joke, one joke, as well as that sketch did. Because people, it, it lulls even, it even lulls the viewer into being like, "This is stupid. Why is this guy in a suit with these weird skeletons just dancing? Like, okay, it's kind of funny. He doesn't fit in, and they've got him on all these floors." But then when he actually pulls off the scare, that's what's brilliant about that sketch. And my kid can recite that thing. Like, if all I have to say is any questions, and he'll be like, yes, several. I am so in the weeds with David Pumpkins. He loved that sketch so much, I bought him David S. Pumpkins Funko Pops for Christmas. And he was like, I've got the... And he he loved it. He loved it so much. Brilliant sketch for one joke. Mikey Day is in that sketch with... Bobby Monahan, right? Yes. As the skeletons. One of the skeletons. And yeah. that is where and that is where Mikey Day starts his ascent to being one of a one of the very good SNL actors um, of all time for me. He's very underrated. So yeah, I mean any questions? Uh, and exactly. they did more stuff with that with I think there was like a theme park pirate ride that David S. Pumpkins was out there or something, or that was right. a different thing too. But yeah, I mean I'm gonna get to more Tom Hanks uh, as uh, for my number one, so by the way, Steve Lawrence was the name of Edie Gourmet's husband, and it was played by Mike Myers, and it's hilarious. <laughs> there it you go, Steve Lawrence. <laughs> All right, go ahead, uh, number two. My number two? Yes, sir. My number two is Wayne's World. Yep, can't swing two movies. I mean, I, yeah, like, a, Wayne's World is one of the greatest movies ever. It might be the greatest Saturday Night Live skit to movie ever. Right? Can you think of one that's actually a better movie that was also a skit on Saturday Night Live? 
And if you say Night at the Roxbury, I'm going to virtually punch you in the nose. No, no, I hate Night at the Roxbury. See, I'm the outlier because I didn't really enjoy the Will Ferrell years as much as a lot of other people did. And I was always bigger. Okay. I was always a bigger Chris Kattan fan, oddly enough, um, from that time. Like, I loved um, the Mango was one of my oh, favorite characters. Of yes. Him and, well, and, and something that, that I don't get mentioned, the sketch with him as that character with the rock on is one of the funniest things ever, where there's, where he's the papa to Mango, and they're spitting See, the apple back at each other. And I and I actually I actually love the one um, with him and Jennifer Lawrence where they're where they're one. fighting over who's the biggest diva and there's one with him and ben affleck that is hilarious as well but anyway that has nothing to do with wayne's world which yeah no, I there, there's just, there's been the, very the, few sketches to movies that have worked ladies man actually surprisingly worked well but it's oh, not as good as wayne's world movie not as good as wayne's no world. uh you just think about the two characters that that you know Wayne and Garth on there are, are just excellent. The premise of living in the basement and and doing it it's it's almost like a it's almost a, a foreshadowing microcosm of what we do now as, as adults, I'm recording right? In like, a basement have, right now as we speak. Like, like I can tell you, everybody on the Chair Shot Radio Network has has either a, a a very good job or or a very good career and a family and and is a normal person. But it's also very living in the basement at home and and going on with your friends and and you know being a nerd. So, it, it's it's great. I think the fact that you know we've actually as a radio network made it cool to be a nerd and embrace that with a whole bunch of things that we do and just accepting the niche that we have whether it's in sports or entertainment or sports and entertainment so the Mm -hmm. way that wayne's world infected the country enough to be one of the biggest box office movies of its of its time comedically and then the people that would come on the show that would be like yo i need to we need i need to be in the wayne's world sketch or there was a top 10 their top 10s were infamous oh, the top 10s so were well written right Air, was it was so it made, didn't aerosmith do their musical performance from yes, the basement yes, like that in the scenery yes. like that was one of the things one of the most iconic uh, things that ever happened in snl history but you know maybe let's put it this way one of the greatest comedic duos ever dana carvey and mike myers absolutely all right your number one sir my number one is jeopardy as a whole that's fair whether it's will ferrell and daryl hammond and turd ferguson um or whether it's keenan thompson hosting black jeopardy with fucking tom hanks (laughs) As the guest on that one, that might be the funniest episode of Jeopardy ever. That one right there. But the whole concept of playing off that unbelievably successful, popular, well-known game show, you know, having having uh, Will Ferrell, you know, have a have a feud with a a, a, a guest, a, a, a participant, right? I mean, two of them. It's it's just excellent. It's so well written, so well done. But like I said, Tom Hanks on Black Jeopardy. Um, Ego Warum, I think, is one of the uh, contestants, and I don't remember who the other one was, but it's unbelievable. And, folks, if you're listening to this podcast, feel free to pause and write down or put a note in your phone to go back. And you can watch these sketches on YouTube or on the Peacock if you have it. You know, these are all great things to go back and sit down on a Saturday night where you can just go, hey, let's kind of relive a little bit of history. So, yeah, I... I hope it shows I love SNL with such a passion and it's just such an amazing concept and a delivery for, for comedy and entertainment. I'll tell you what's unfair is that both of our lists are going to leave off Mr. Robinson's neighborhood, 
both of our like our lists are going to leave off things like you talked about musical performances king tut from from steve martin back in the day one of the just goofiest things ever we didn't touch belushi Mm -hmm. we didn't touch Aykroyd. we didn't touch very much of will ferrell we didn't touch any kate mckinnon we didn't touch any Kristen wig she kate mckinnon was the one in the californians by the way oh okay okay um I, I wanted to talk about the Natalie Portman music video sketch. Like there were so many sketches. There's just so much there that we just can't get to. Here, so top best and worst music sketches of all time. Right, we got more categories that we know what to do with. Um, my number one though is it's hilarious. It, it was a recurring sketch a couple of different times, but the first one was the best one. Uh, it's my background. Cause I always, I always give away my number ones on these with my background. Um, Chris Farley was special and you talked about it a little bit and he, it, 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 it's still to this day, like I can't watch the documentary about his life and death without falling apart because he, you know, sadly lost his life to his own self-destructive demons, uh, so early in, in, in what was going to be one of the biggest careers imaginable. Um, and part of what made him amazing was my number one sketch. And that was Chris Farley on the Chris Farley show interviewing Paul McCartney, where he is playing this himself, like it's himself, completely in awe and starstruck to be sitting in the same room as Paul McCartney. And he can't, he he can't actually get questions. He's like, you remember, remember that one time when you said like, the, lo- the love you the love you make is it's like the love you take and, and McCartney's like well yeah yeah I wrote that and he's like that was awesome and then he would get all upset he's like oh man I suck I can't fire blew it and he starts like yelling into the microphone he starts oh it's adorable and it's just so genuine and I'm gonna let you talk because I'm getting sad just thinking about how we don't have him no the the physicality of it right like yeah, the concept absolutely. is simple and it's amazing so like a question is like do you remember that time? Um, and it's when he's saying, you remember that time, his hands are like running up and down his thighs on his sweating, pants and kind of yeah. grabbing them. And he's, and he's like constantly moving his hair back over and shaking it out. And like, and like Paul giving Mansur like, ha, like a little schoolgirl, like, ha, you know, and kind of shake a little bit and then he kind of shake it off and be like, okay, but do you remember the time? Like when you were in the Beatles, that was awesome. Well, and, and when you know, Paul and McCartney gives the amazing part of it. The culmination of that whole scene is Paul McCartney finally gives like a lengthy answer to something and he just looks at the camera and he's like, awesome. And he like points at him yeah. like as if Paul McCartney <laughs> can't see him. And Paul McCartney's playing it so straight and so well. And he's like, he's really encouraging him because he can tell he's nervous. It's, 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 it's just beautiful. And it's what, like, it made me fall in love with him before he even started really doing movies and took off. And then you see it in Tommy Boy and Black Sheep and just everything he did he was he was wonderful and it sucks that he's gone yeah i mean 100% uh, 100% very much um uh uh john belushi uh, yep. uh second coming absolutely and and very unfortunate but we got stuff like van down by the river which is maybe one of the greatest Matt sketches Foley, of all yeah. time as well could be on this list and then it's funny like he was gone and came back again and then there was El Nino was coming through and he did this sketch where they just cut to him and he goes, yeah, he goes, yo soy El Nino. That's Spanish for 
the Nino. Yes. And then they'd take a big bucket of water and they'd splash him with it. And you'd have soaked big boy, you know, I mean, fat guy in a little coat. I can stick my head up a butcher's ass, but I'd rather take the cow's word for it. I mean, the, Chris the Farley, news... you hit it on the nail on the head. I'm glad we are finishing on this pinnacle because that right. guy, comedically, you talk he about, was, we talked about so duos so before. Him and David Spade, unbelievable. Oh, God, yeah. Um, but, yeah. And hey, Richard, maybe she dates one of the Yankees. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and, yeah, so that's where we're going to close the book uh, on at top our five by five this week with his SNL sketches. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, before we get out of here, Tony, tell people where they can find you on the Chairshot Radio Network. Uh, find me at PC Tony on Twitter and Facebook. You can find everything there. Please continue continue to listen to Chairshot Radio Network. Continue to use your head. You can find all our shows streaming on all your favorite, uh, you know, streaming apps, and of course, thechairshot.com. Absolutely, and you can find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. And if you can't get enough of list shows, give a listen to Bandwagon Nerds this week, uh, which will have aired yesterday because this airs on Tuesday to listen to our top 10 action films of 2000-2009. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you next week on Chair Shot Radio when we return to Hockey Talk with our trade deadline special. We're going to try to see if we can get Dr. S'mores on the show as well to talk about what's going on in the world of NHL. Until then, catch us on Chair Shot Radio, part of the Chair Shot Radio Network here on thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off, my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 